from the author of the book by the same name. It's the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast with Mark McRae. And now, the conclusion. History of Violence, Part 3, here on the Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast. Uh, as always, uh, I'm Dan Klink. And I'm Mark McRae. Where did we leave off last time, Mark? Uh, it was. Uh... Let's see. I think we left off at um, where we were talking about Challenge of the Super Friends, and then we kind of rolled into uh, Battle of the Planets. That's it. Started getting a wave of Japanese cartoons coming in. Uh, right. Voltron kind of uh, came in uh, several years later, but this is the beginning of that trend. And if there's one yes. thing they know how to do in Japanese animation, it's violence. Oh, my gosh. So uh, Battle of the Planets, um, and the original name was called Gotcha Man, benefited by not being on network or Saturday morning television. Mm. So they kind of let the violence fly. However, however, there was a lot of editing done on this series to the point where the original Gotcha Man series and Battle of the Planets series Plots and stories and characters don't even match up. I think to this day in the anime community, they are more or less considered, they're considered two separate properties now because there is such a deviation from the original Gotcha Man plot. Right. The funny thing is, even though there was heavy editing of this series, it still remained pretty violent. Right. And, uh, and of course, it was very successful as well. But there were certain uh, little safeguards that the uh, production company put in to make sure that the show would be friendly. And one of them was uh, creating robot sidekicks, uh, Seven's Arc Seven and One Rover One and Susan who was the early warning computer. And that that wasn't necessarily, that wasn't in Gotcha Man, was it? Correct. So we had a level of original animation going into this. Right. Also, having those characters in the story helped fill in all of the edited scenes from Gotcha Man, gotcha oh, Man that right. had to be taken out. And oh, so, you know, violence. they... <laughs> and so they needed filler right. for the series. But um, Battle of the Planets really brought the action. And it had an awesome, wonderful theme created by Hoy Curtin, who for many, many years, you know, was Hanna-Barbera's director of music um, at Hanna-Barbera. And I always say that this was like his freelance job working on Battle of the Planets. And right. it's it, to me... It's one of his best musical themes, and as well as some of the background tracks. Very cool. Very yeah. Cool. And then we go a little further. Now we get back home. And I mean, back, right. you know, in terms of domestic animation, uh, we go into an era of laser beams. Mm-hmm. If we're not throwing punches, <laughs> per se, uh, certainly you can't fire a gun, a, li- a live ammo. You can't fire bullets. Right. Where uh, what what do you do? You still have toys to sell, you still have action, you still have action to shoot. How do we get around all that? Yeah, well, you know, Thundar, which we talked about in an earlier podcast, the Sword and Sorcery episode. Go back and listen people if you haven't heard it yet. Now's the time. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a really good podcast, but 
I just love Thunder the Barbarian. And after watching, you know, most of the episodes, I love it even more. The series still holds up. And there was a lot of action in that show. And I give it to the writers because they really push the envelope as much as they can action wise without throwing a punch and keeping things interesting. Yeah, they did. But there was a lot of firing of laser beams on that show or mm-hmm. things being reflected off of Thundar's sun sword. Right. And I noticed this trend with Black Star yep. and He-Man. Even and G.I. I G.I. Joe. Yeah, G.I. Joe as well, right? I can confirm uh, G.I. Joe was 100% lasers. And the funniest thing about G.I. Joe was, like, the screen would be filled with lasers and bullets. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Looked like you were at a, like, you know, a laser Zeppelin show or something. And mm-hmm. yet, uh, no, no casualties. No one... No one going down. No one taking a shot right. to the gut. Nobody, nobody in a wheelchair for the rest of their lives. Certainly, you know, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to get too graphic in my details, but you get the idea, people. Uh, right. All, all lasers, no consequence. <laughs> now, what about Transformers? Did that have a lot of uh, lasers? Laser, lot of lasers. B- laser action. Oh yeah, so much, yeah. <laughs> so much laser action. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name my Saturday morning inspired new wave band. Uh, <laughs> laser action, yeah, oh, yes, Transformers, so much laser action. I mean, heck, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you get into uh, stuff like uh, Shira, Thundercats, all of right. those, you know, early, mid, and then even beyond 80s action cartoons. Sweet laser action, Mark, nothing mm-hmm. but sweet right. laser action, right? But yeah, so what I think is kind of interesting, you're seeing at least in the sword and sorcery uh, shows like Thunder, Black Star, He Man. Shira and Thundercats, you know, a lot of sword play is happening. Right. And they're using that sword to reflect whatever laser or whatever weapon is being shot at them. You know, thank goodness the sword can do all of that because a lot of those characters were not <laughs> laser proof or bulletproof. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that might have helped Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles a little later down the line. I think you're right. It's, it's really, really interesting. You know, so you had that whole era really fueling children's television in the 80s. And right. as well as these shows kind of getting very close to the edge of violence happening on on television. Absolutely. I mean, look at G.I. Joe. The entire image of G.I. Joe is violence. Right. And we're talking, it's, it's military hardware. Uh, all of these, you know, over-aggrandized personalities that have all loaned themselves, lend themselves to 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 violent lives the entire image of gi joe was violence and and you know it's so funny now that we're talking about it you know i'm realizing that gi joe a real american hero it was almost like great pr for the military you know yes yes during the reagan 80s Mind you, a man who once right. said one of his favorite movies is Rambo First Blood Part Two. <laughs> yes. And and there was a Rambo cartoon too. In no, there was. I bet I bet I bet Yeah, I bet old Ronnie was watching that too. I don't think he advertised that. I don't think he was letting people quite know wow. that. But yeah. Well, I uh, didn't know that. That is crazy. Oh wow. Yes. Oh yes. That is funny. Yeah, so it was almost like um you know, the Vietnam War, which we talked about a lot in um, mm. part two of History of Violence, right. uh, was a very unpopular war. Right. In the 80s, the military unexpectedly kind of gets a, a shot in the arm. A with, rebrand. You know, right. You know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 we've got a you know, people don't like the military mistrust of the government. But now we have now we have you know Grandpa Reagan up there. Yeah, and you have Rambo. You have the Rambo movie. You have the Rambo animated series. You have GI Joe, yep. which was you know very successful. And all of a sudden now, patriotism is flying high. Patriotism is back, baby. It's back. <laughs> now let's let, let's let's take this a little further because you know after GI Joe, after Transformers, when we start moving into the later '80s, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, going forward, the violence kind of makes a comeback. Right as we see this resurgence in in patriotism. That and and certainly showing that the that that military iconography sells in the billions of dollars in terms of toys, we see everything kind of start to to loosen up with the violence. While at the same time, our our U.S. military emerges from its rebranding, and we call it uh, we call it the Gulf War, right? Right, right. And I, I don't say that to be political. Uh, I say no, that I just, know, I know. Just, that's I know. kind of what it is. Because I mean, yeah, now it's I, let's tie a yellow ribbon around a tree. Everybody support the troops. You right. know, very different. It had a very different response from the public uh, than Vietnam right. certainly did. And uh, the way we look at violence in cartoons, I think, went hand in hand with that. Right. And I think you had mentioned before when we were sort of prepping for this episode that the military learned some lessons from Vietnam. And one of them was... You know, not to show war images, video images of the war on the evening news every night. That is correct. That is correct. Uh, they you know, in Vietnam, the reporters would be were seen of as a bit of a nuisance. They would be attached to this unit or that unit. You know, depending on what the reporter wanted versus whatever officer is, you know, trying to get him off his shoulders. And you saw you saw the the nitty gritty war broadcast home. By the time we got to the Gulf War, you know, you had CNN, 24-hour news going. Right. The military had changed the way they look at reporting because the military has never wanted to report. You you take that back, go back a few thousand years, right? The, the, winner, the winner writes the history books and that's it. You do not want people knowing what's really going down. Right. Well, we know uh, the the Pentagon found a different way. They said, let's embrace this. Let's invite the media in with us and we will begin embedding media with troops uh with with uh, squads of platoons with units that we choose that we know the reporter will be with and we can then send that unit to where we want that unit to be so we can control where the camera is right he would still see images sure but not necessarily combat so right let's say a fighter pilot was getting ready to take off right. from a um from an aircraft carrier. For, yeah, uh, exactly. Off, off, off the USS flag. Most expensive. Right, uh, right. Largest GI Joe play ever made. Right. And so they might they might show a plane taking off from an aircraft carrier. Right. And the reporter is reporting on the status of what's happening right. with on the, the war. They're on the flight deck right. holding down their helmet, you know, talking right. to them, yelling into a mic. You know, we might exactly. see, we might see uh, General Schwarzkopf up there. Uh, in front of a uh, large, you know, uh, uh, television or projector, pointing out to a, a room full of media, uh, a smart bomb, you know, black and white, like right. satellite footage or or footage transmitted directly from a smart bomb hitting a target. Right. 
Sometimes they might show a missile being launched, you know, like one of those ground oh, missiles. Like a, I'm not sure if they... Yeah, they might fire a Tomahawk missile or show uh, some Scud missiles being intercepted by Patriot missiles. Right, it's something like that. But it wasn't like... You still didn't see combat. Exactly. And, and, and you know, rapid-fire machine guns happening, like, right. during the 1960s and coverage of the Vietnam War. Exactly. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is, I feel like the Vietnam War was really the first war that was heavily televised on the news. In the 1940s, there was television, but, like, how many people had television in the late 40s? Nobody. Nobody. Right. Then the 1950s, everyone gets television, but we're not necessarily in a war. Right. And I don't think during the Korean War, maybe they didn't have the, the technology to... News, you know, n- still newsreels and radios by by Korea. No, you're right. Vietnam, right, right. And really the the latter '60s of Vietnam is when it be, it it was a prime time war. It was sort right. of the war. It was the world's first prime time war. Is what it was, and it was, and we were never going back. And and poor Saturday morning, unfortunately, was a victim. Right. I mean, if you think about it, there hadn't been any violence since the 1969 season. And I mean, yeah, that's a right. long time for yeah. superheroes and action animated stars not to be able to actually throw a punch. Right. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because <laughs> uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show up around 87 you know, to me, it was kind of like a action adventure comedy or or dramedy. I guess they would have called that's, it. That's that's very know? fair because it really had it had a a heavy comedy element to it. Exactly, but you brought up something really cool that the fact that people kind of ignored that they were using bladed weapons. Oh yeah, there weren't a whole lot of guns in Ninja Turtles, but man, they would take. I mean, I'm talking that you'll poke your eye out, kid, right? Right. Yeah, right, knives exactly. and throwing stars. And, uh, you know, in Britain, uh, nunchucks are illegal. Straight up <laughs> against the law. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, all of our friends made homemade nunchucks. Oh, dude, yeah, and, right. And, <laughs> right. And so many kids got hurt because there was a crazy karate, I guess, genre happening, you know, yep. thanks to Bruce Lee. Yep, yep. People started cutting... <laughs> their parents broomsticks <laughs> and have and making nunchucks and people were getting hurt a lot right so i guess the uk did the right thing by banning them and i think that was the thing it was almost like because the ninja turtles were such fun great guys right and there was a comedy element to the series i think people kind of forgot that there was some fighting and action going on there was quite a bit of fighting and action Actually. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah. parents looked at Ninja Turtles as sort of being, you know, still very kid friendly. Well, they dismissed I mean, it. I, you know, they probably just kind of dismissed it. Right. Right. You had also mentioned something about a, a bridge between Rambo and the Ninja Turtles, maybe. Yeah. So getting into the end of the 80s, we begin to see a bridge uh, between, like, say, Rambo showing like real weapons sort of these real-ish looking situations. And that was an incredibly popular show, but it certainly works for our argument here. Uh, <laughs> but then we go, we start going into Ninja Turtles with, with weapons. And now they are, uh, they're kicking, they're punching. They're, they're all about making physical contact. And if I'm not mistaken, Mark, they did. Right. They yes. did. He-Man would have to punch the screen. Remember when He-Man would throw a punch? <laughs> He-Man, oh, didn't, I love that. He-Man didn't punch Beast-Man. He didn't punch Skeletor. He looked right. you right in the eyes, Mr. Viewer, and punched right at the screen, and then right. pow, and then you see Beast-Man flying backwards. You know, right. our brain fills in right. the gaps. With this, 
you know, they're kicking that they're 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 kicking foot clan soldiers left and right. And the fact that the series was syndicated and not on Saturday morning, of course, gave the creators a lot more freedom to make that physical contact. Right. So we're heading into the 90s now. And thanks to Ninja Turtles and also thanks to the fact that no one is listening to any of the watchdog groups anymore. They're losing their political steam and power in the industry. The networks are no longer sending them stories or episodes for them to review like typical standards and practices would do. And they're still complaining, but nobody cares. That plus uh, they start going after music, you know, parental advisory. It's almost like, it's almost like, hey, over here, over here. And the watchdog groups kind of, you know, hey, I mean, dog whistle. That's a that's a term. They all just right. start, uh, you know, running towards, you know, parental advisory. And right. they finally leave our uh, Saturday morning cartoons alone. I think that's interesting. And we'll get into this later. The difference between Saturday morning and after school syndication. We're going to do a whole set of episodes on that in the future, people. And we're going to call it uh, the best Tuesdays between 3 <laughs> to 5 p.m. of our lives. Because that's, that's worth getting into down the road. But kind of tidying this up, it kind of all culminates into shows like the X-Men, right? Mm-hmm. Going into the right, uh, early, right, into right. the middle 90s, it's now, you know, Batman the Animated Series. Uh, it's right. the, the gloves are off again, so to speak. We're back to Johnny We're, Quest, if you will. Yes. And I, as a viewer, was so excited. And so during the 1992 season, Batman the Animated Series premieres to high ratings um, and also critical acclaim. And the X-Men series also premieres and helps Fox become the number one Saturday morning network. And both shows, again, you know, you have DC versus Marvel, and this seemed to happen a lot on Saturday morning. Both shows push the envelope as much as you can, and you're finally seeing punches and fighting Mm -hmm. happening on both of these shows. And nobody is batting an eye. And the networks are happy because... The ratings are great and no parent groups are out there. And if they are, nobody's listening. And so this is like a great time for Saturday morning right. uh, television again with, with both of these shows. And it also really helped greatly that Batman the Animated Series was also critically acclaimed as well, yes. you know, for its animation yes. and wonderful background and art deco settings. You know, kind of giving you Martin, but classic at the same time. Right. So a lot of times when, in my opinion, when a show is critically acclaimed, you know, that becomes the story as opposed to, you know, Batman throwing the Joker through a window. Exactly. Exactly. I'm not saying, and I'm not saying that that happened. That's just an example. Yeah, right. Yeah. Go watch it yourselves, kids. Yeah. But critically acclaimed means grown up approved. Right? Exactly. Exactly. We could do a whole episode just on that show. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Uh, One of my favorites, uh, for sure. But, uh, yes. And so I always kind of point to Batman, the animated series, and the X-Men animated series as being the shows that restored Saturday morning (laughs) back to its original glory with no censorship and no interference from outside groups. Now the network still had your standards and practices. And so there were certain things that notes were submitted and there were certain things that, that, that couldn't happen on either one of these programs because these, these programs were for kids, but you know, there wasn't like 
a, a bored housewife and her lawyer friend um, deciding. <laughs> yeah, a bunch, bunch, bunch of senators' wives looking for purpose. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, the, 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 the whole history of violence really, you know, stemming from the 1940s with slapstick and a pie in the face all the way through the superheroes and the studios going to war on Saturday morning, each trying to up the other, creating interesting stories and action-packed stories with a lot of fighting all the way through the 90s is is a really, really interesting story. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of, you know, has its highs and its lows and its valleys and its highs again. Right. And interestingly enough, uh, some of that regulation is still in place. Unfortunately, so even though those watchdog groups are not around, the legacy is still there. Right. Again, these are old antiquated rules. And, you know, I I feel like right now in the industry, there isn't an urgency for the rules to be changed because it would probably take money and resources uh, to make that change happen. And so people are just happy just to, you know, let things ride until further notice. Did you ever wonder why there are 24-hour kid networks? In my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives, I write about how Saturday morning became a competitive business and the proving ground for what would become the 24-hour kid network. My book covers the Big Bang with the 1960s explosion of high ratings to the early digital age of Saturday morning's last hurrah, the 1990s. You can purchase my book by going to thebestsaturdaysofourlives.com and I will ship you a signed copy. One of the things I remember also in the 80s was there were certain laws where when it came to advertising for for toys, you had to show the toys uh, within the context of being toys, you know, children playing with the toys. Then you take something like G.I. Joe and, you know, He-Man did this, uh, Transformers did this. So many, a lot of these shows actually went to like Marvel or DC and had limited run comic books made to help promote their toys and then ultimately made a pretty quick decision to go animated at the same time. And like GI Joe, what they would do is they would have a commercial that would be completely animated yet. It was all of the products that you could go buy were animated. And at the very end, it's like, Oh yeah, by the way, this commercial is really for a comic book. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, which yeah, was kind of a way to circumvent cool. a lot of congressional laws, right? And then you add in the super military, you know, weaponry. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, exactly. And you know, which is kind of justified because you know the bad guys had probably even worse weapons that they were using, and so oh, dude, obviously yeah, you have to your... arm arm our guys with the best of the best weapons that they can get a hold of. Plus, it might make a good toy too. Oh yeah, right. I mean, Cobra's <laughs> bonkers, man. Don't you believe in America? Don't you believe in? freedom we need to stop these guys oh and by the way pretty 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 sweet tank huh right right and i think it was a pretty smart strategy for them to be able to promote the toys that way now they couldn't promote the toys like they couldn't promote a gi joe toy in gi joe but they could promote it before and after gi joe right and uh that's the way they got around uh the rule as well but a lot of these shows um you know 
He-Man, um, and, and even Black Star. They were Black Star action figures. I had no idea that oh, yeah. they were. I I went to a, th- a thrift store, and there was a Black Star um, action figure along with um, um, his enemy, uh, whose name I can't recall right oh, now. Right, right, right. <laughs> what is that dude's name? Oh, Tex, Tex, Tex Rex, or uh, that's 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 Brave Star. Well, that's Brave Star. <laughs> talking... Oh, I'm sorry, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. We'll probably talk about Brave Star sorry. in another podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, um, there was a Black Star action figure, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! And you know, of course, I scooped it up. Oh yeah. Uh, right away. I'm like, well, you guys are coming home with me and you're going to hang out with my He-Man action figures because right. that's the crossover <laughs> I always wanted to see. Oh, totally. But anyway, <laughs> um, and you know, also with Transformers, uh, you know, there was a comic book and a toy line. Uh, well, I think the Transformers actually started out as a toy line first, if I'm not mistaken. They started like, out, they started out as two separate toy lines in Japan. And I right. think it was, what was it? Hasbro bought rights to the designs from both different uh, from both of those right. different companies brought them to the US and then thought well we need to promote this with a a comic book and then television show yeah you still can't advertise a toy within a toy show right you know it has to fall on the outside right. you still have to let kids know you're going to a commercial break right as well as going back to the content right and there's a part of me that feels that sometimes the networks didn't fight hard enough to stop some of these rules from coming in place. But, right. you know, think about it. If you're a network executive in the 1960s, 70s, or 80s, and people are complaining and they want this regulation to happen, what's the big deal? It's only three hours a day. Yeah. You know, I can deal with that. Right. No one envisioned a 24-hour kids network nope. where someone actually now has to schedule each and one of those pieces. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Somebody you out know? there needs to account for every second of every image you see up on that screen. Hmm. Right, yeah, right. Right. And and and, he, and even for video on demand, you still have to have something in place right. saying we're going to a commercial break, even right. though you're watching video on demand. Sorry. Yeah. You know, those are the rules. Right. And I feel like it would take probably all the networks getting together to have a lobbyist, a few lobbyists, go down to Washington and lobby and meet folks from the FCC to have some of the laws modified. Not taken away entirely. Because I think like for little kids that are like two, three, four years old that are just understanding television technology and watching i I feel like for them they need those rules in place well they need they need to help separate what is what is real and what is not right you know just just some subtle reinforcement on what they should already be getting but yeah for older kids uh yeah Yeah. you're right we don't need to i say we i'm 40 years old yeah but anyway uh yeah the older kids they know right they They don't they know it's commercial Mm -hmm. time Yes, exactly, and uh, and these kids that are on that are at the older uh, side of the demographic, these are the kids that are teaching their parents how to use their smartphones. Oh yeah, I'm right. thinking they know the difference between content and commercial content. You know, they right. know the difference. 
You have 30 seconds to describe Thunder Talk. It's pop culture. With a twist. It's music. LBGTQ+. And comedy. Well, dark comedy. It's nerd junk. It's comic books. Video games. Conventions. Yeah, nerd junk. And social commentary. It's woke, yo. Yeah, and nerd junk. Woke nerd junk. Thunder Talk is all over the place. Every place you want to be. Thunder Talk is a proud member of the ESO Network. Find us at thundertalk.org and download us on all podcast platforms. Forms. All right, everybody, that was History of Violence, part three. Please listen to part one, two, and three. Uh, you don't have to listen to them at the same time, but it is a series of three episodes. Ooh, I dare you. And- I dare you. I want you to send us a video of you. <laughs> three different phones in your face. Anyway, I'm sorry, Mark. Continue. Please. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And uh, just a reminder, some of these topics that we talked about are mentioned in my book, The Best Saturdays of Our Lives. And uh, you can read about some of the topics that Dan and I talked about today. I'd like to thank everyone for listening. I hope you enjoy the podcast. And until next time, this is Mark. This is Dan. And we'll see you in our and your Saturday morning dreams. Boom. The Best Saturdays of Our Lives podcast is a co-production of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives studios and the Weirdos Workshop. To get a personalized signed copy of the Best Saturdays of Our Lives book, go to the Best Saturdays of Our Lives.com. This is Mark McRae signing off. <laughs>